Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. The secret to catching prize-worthy fish? Fishing like a local. Jonas Knox here with Fishing Booker. The valuable knowledge of a local guide can turn a fishing trip of no bites into the best catch of the day. Go to fishingbooker.com to discover thousands of local fishing charters from all around the world and create your perfect angling adventure with their easy-to-use online booking system. Visit fishingbooker.com and book your trip today. Fishing Booker. Fishing trips made easy. Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now, we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Classes in session. Find Try This from the Washington Post wherever you listen. Thanks for listening to the best of Outkick the Coverage podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning from 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern, 3 to 6 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for Outkick the Coverage at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every morning on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. This is the best of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis on Fox Sports Radio. Just ran through the latest college football playoff rankings and tried to answer any questions that could arise. Um, I would say that there is one kind of chaos theory out there. If you're one of the people who always roots for chaos, the simplest solution, Alabama wins out, Clemson wins out, Notre Dame wins out, and Michigan wins out. Those four teams are in. There's no drama at all. The most dramatic situation we could have I believe, would be a messy situation where Alabama loses to Georgia to get to 12-1. Georgia is then 12-1. Clemson loses to either Pitt or South Carolina and finishes 12-1. Michigan wins out to go 12-1. Notre Dame loses to USC to go 11-1. Washington State wins out, beating Washington and Utah to get to 12-1. And Oklahoma wins out, beating... West Virginia and Texas to reclaim all of their, uh, to kind of vanquish the the sting of that defeat to Texas earlier in the year. Then you would have six 12-1 teams, including all five major conference champs, and you would have a 12-1 Alabama team plus an 11-1 Notre Dame. That would be chaos. You would have seven seven teams, six of them 12-1, one of them 11-1. How would you pick those four? That's the most chaotic scenario I can possibly imagine. Let me take a couple of your calls. Ron in Louisville, what you got for me? Hey, I was wanting to ask you. You were talking about Oklahoma. I'm a big Oklahoma fan. Yeah. Um, if, if Oklahoma actually goes to Morgan and obliterates West, West Virginia, and then they turn around and play Texas, who actually already beat them already in the yep. in, in their game. Okay, and Oklahoma actually, I mean, puts Texas away by twenty eight points. Do you not think Oklahoma should be a number four team versus the SEC that is really really weak? First of all, the SEC. Thanks for the call. The SEC is not really really weak. I understand that it makes people who aren't SEC fans feel better to just throw that out there. The SEC has won nine of the last eleven national championships. And Alabama so far has beaten every team on their schedule by 22 or more. Oklahoma cannot beat anybody by 28 points, in my opinion, because they allow everybody they play to score 40 points. So unless Oklahoma is going to score 70 and win 70 to 40, which maybe it'll happen. It's a big 12. Anything can happen. The idea that Oklahoma is going to go out and just run roughshod over anybody is, to me, unlikely. 
Alabama would be favored in a neutral site game over Oklahoma by around two touchdowns if Vegas was setting the line. So if the goal is to get the best team in, Alabama is substantially better than Oklahoma on a neutral site game, according to Las Vegas, by about two touchdowns. Uh, I do think that Oklahoma has a good argument against Michigan if Oklahoma were to beat West Virginia. Let's say they beat at West Virginia by any amount in Morgantown. That's going to be a tough game. It'll be a good win. And then they bounce back and uh, basically erase their loss by beating Texas. I think 12-1 Oklahoma against 12-1 Michigan is a good battle. I think that's evidence of why we should have an eight-team playoff instead of a four-team playoff. But I actually think West Virginia is going to beat Oklahoma in Morgantown, and I think that uh, that discussion will resolve itself. Dave in West Virginia. What's up, Dave? Hey, hey Clay. Uh, thank you for taking my call. You know, before the last caller, I was sad and depressed over last Saturday, but now I'm just peed off from the last <laughs> caller. He's just an idiot. Um, anyway... It's probably like 0.0001 chance. There is still a possibility that West Virginia could jump to number four. You know, it happened to Ohio State. If they had the name of Ohio State, it could possibly happen. Two wins versus Oklahoma, top six team, and um, to beat Texas again and hell break loose. It is, it's possible. But I want to say something. The, the top eight thing where you say five conference winners, go to the playoff and three and um so, yeah and for people out there who don't know five conference yeah, five I, big I five conference winners two yeah, uh no, wild I, cards and one non-power it's not, five it, team it's a it's a horrible idea i mean the people that deserve there were still be so many people that deserve to be in it and just because you're a uh um Central Florida or Utah State, just because you're so, – why do you deserve to be in, in the conversation just because you're out of – they don't I deserve, just think thanks for the call. Top, yeah, they are thanks. not a top ten team. Thanks for the call. Well, right now UCF is a top ten team. They're number nine. And that's the way sports works. Sometimes teams that aren't necessarily the best get to play for championships because we want to make sure that we provide opportunities to everybody in the same conference, same division. Uh, there are all sorts of teams that make the NCAA tournament every year that aren't top 68 teams. But we want to provide opportunities to everybody that might not get to play under the bright lights all the time. That's my opinion. I think you need to give the non-Power 5 conference fans and teams an opportunity to believe their team could win a championship. I also think the Cinderella factor of sports is one of the reasons we all watch. It's great to root for somebody who... You don't anticipate to pull off an upset. Boise State was fabulous back in the day when they were in the running. Remember the win they had over Oklahoma? Remember how enjoyable that was in the Fiesta Bowl? Even UCF last year in their Peach Bowl game, I believe it was, against Auburn. I don't think they're better than Auburn, but they were on that day. I'd love to see a UCF team, if there were an eight-team playoff, go on the road and get to play Alabama so we could actually see what would happen. Now, Vegas says Alabama's a four-touchdown favorite. Vegas says Alabama would wax UCF. Well, we get to see on the field. And that'd be the advantage that Alabama would have for finishing number one overall would be they get to play the number eight seed. Uh, Bubba in North Carolina. What's up, Bubba? Hey, good morning. All right, so I got two points, and the first one is a question. So since Notre Dame is independent, they don't have to play a conference championship game, correct? Correct. Okay, so my point is I think that if the committee had any balls at all, that they would treat that non-game like a loss and drop them out of the top four because you can't tell me that that's fair, that Alabama has to go and face whoever wins the East, which is going to be Georgia. You know, that's arguably their toughest game of the year, while Notre Dame essentially gets a bye and gets to go into the top four. I just think that them not having to play a conference championship, that should be treated as a loss. Um, and then my other point was to your to your having eight in the playoffs. I think that nine would be the answer. And to what you just said is the point. You know, if you were to get some small school like a UCF or whatever in, you know, they could get a chance to go on a run by having an extra round. And then you just give the number one overall seed a buy, and that just adds one more round. And you get that, you know, not quite the March Madness 
tournament, but you get an extra extra round, and maybe a, a number nine UCF could go on the Cinderella run. Yeah, that's an interesting argument. I mean, if you wanted to go nine, you could also have a play-in game. You could give, you know, like they do in the NCAA tournament now, you could have a play-in game or a non-Power 5 conference team got to play against the number eight otherwise team, and whoever won that game got to advance. I think that's where you get into playing too many games. I actually think your your argument about Notre Dame is an intriguing one that I haven't seen a lot of people make. There is zero doubt that Notre Dame is getting a competitive advantage in this particular situation. If they beat USC, they know that at 12-0, and they're going to go into the college football playoff. But unlike every other team that is going to make the playoff, probably in college football this year, they don't have to play the conference title game. Now, there have been teams, Alabama last year, for example, who got in without having to play in the conference title game. So that sometimes happens for non-Notre Dame schools as well. And it's not like the committee last year said, oh, Alabama's 11-1 and and they're not playing for their conference championship game, so we're going to ding them and add another loss to them. No, they said, okay, well, Georgia beats Auburn, but we believe Alabama deserves to get in, even though they didn't play the conference title game, and even though Ohio State did. So I think that's the challenging point there, is that if a team doesn't win their division, doesn't win their conference, doesn't play in their conference title game, they could still be the best team in their conference, and that wouldn't necessarily be used against them. I think if Notre Dame goes 12-0 and with the schedule that they have played and the fact that they would have beaten Michigan head-to-head, there's no way on earth you can leave them out of the playoff. Now, if Notre Dame lost this game to USC, if Clay Helton came back from the dead and found a way to get his USC Trojan team to get past Notre Dame, I'm not sure Notre Dame makes the playoff then, given all the different permutations. I would take 12-1 and Oklahoma above 11-1 and Notre Dame. I think that one of the challenges that's out there is, do you take 11-1 and Notre Dame or 12-1 and Michigan, given the fact that Notre Dame beat them head-to-head? I think you have to take Notre Dame. I think that would really hurt Michigan's resume substantially because I think then you look at the, at the head-to-head and you say, this has to matter. I understand that Michigan went 12-1, and and won nine Big Ten games and won 12 games in a row, but they lost head-to-head with Notre Dame, and I think head-to-head has to matter. I think that has to be the number one tie break when you're trying to decide between two teams, as it has been throughout sports as long as I can remember, who won the head-to-head. I don't think there's any doubt that that would become significant. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. I've been married for 14 years now. This was probably about year two or three of my marriage. Early on, I was up in Michigan with my wife's family for Thanksgiving, and she had had one nephew, and her nephew was at that time about six years old, five or six years old, uh, roughly. And we were in the backyard, and we started playing, uh, shooting basketball with him. And I was telling him that for every shot he made, I would give him like a dollar. And we had set up, you know, this is typical uncle move, right? Like we had set up in the backyard. It wasn't that cold for Detroit for for Thanksgiving. So we were just in the backyard shooting uh, basketball. And after a little while, I kind of like made a mark and I said, hey, if you can make a shot from here, let's see how many you can make from here. And then eventually I was like, hey, everyone you make from here, I'll give you a dollar. So uh, we continued for a while, and uh, and I think he had gotten up to like 10 bucks. He had made like 10 shots, and I was like, okay, I'll give you $10. But uh, then right before he left, he was like, oh, I want to make more money, Uncle Clay. How can I make more money? And I said, well, I'm already giving you $10. And then I was like, you know what? Uh, we, then I was you know taking shots from a long way away, and I went all the way back. I mean, I, I had to be – I mean, this is like a half-court shot, right, in the backyard. And I said, you know what, Chase, Chase was my, uh, my nephew's name. I said, Chase, if I make this, then you want to you get more dollars. I've got a 20 for you. I'm going to attempt this shot, but you got to understand the consequences. I said, it's double or nothing. I said, you understand what double or nothing means? He's like, yeah. You know, I was like, you understand, right? You have $10. You want this $20 bill. I said, but if I make this shot, then you get nothing. But if I miss it, 
then you get $20. I mean, we're talking a half-court shot. I was a long way away. I'm trying to give the kid $20. But I want to teach him a little bit like I was, of course, gambling with him. And I, I thought the odds of me making the shot were low. So I do a couple of dribbles. He agrees to it. I dribble the ball a couple of times. And then I shoot it, you know, half-court shot. And I'll be damned if I don't drain it. So I have just t- <laughs> I have just taken the $10 that I spent the last 20 minutes giving this kid to. I just double or nothing it and drained it. You went Steph Curry on him. I went Steph Curry on him. And immediately, and again, I think he's like five or six, he understands the consequences because he immediately starts crying, turns, and runs into the house before I can say anything else. I mean, immediately. And I'm like, oh, this is not going to be good. Just been gambling with his five-year-old <laughs> and has just drained a half-court shot, basically, to take $10 out of his pocket that he had you know, made from making some shots over the last 20 minutes. So I'm like, I don't even want to go back inside. I'm outside by myself. couple minutes pass. And again, this kid is wailing. And I'm like, oh, God, this is going to be a disaster. He also has maybe a psychotic mother that was eventually going to divorce my brother-in-law. So I'm like, of all the people that can be mad at me, this is not ideal that his crazy mom is going to definitely maybe kill me uh, at, at when, they, when they carve the turkey dinner. She might grab the knife and just stab <laughs> me to death at the table. So I'm thinking to myself, oh, this is going to be bad. Door opens. Wife comes out. Wife is not happy. She comes over to me and she says, so Chase, you know, her nephew, is bawling his eyes out inside right now at Thanksgiving, and he's saying that you stole money from him. I said, I did not steal money from him. I was like, and I tried to tell my wife, and she's like, so he had $10. You were going to give him $10? And I was like, Laura, that's my wife. I was like, it was an amazing shot. I mean, you should have you seen the shot. I mean, this was like a half court. Like, and I was like, look how far I made it from. I mean, like, I didn't think there was any way. I mean, that's like a one, you know, like, I don't know, a 2 or 3% shot that I'm going to make it. I was trying to give him $20. And she's mad at me, so she picks up the basketball and just throws it at me and goes back inside. And I'm still outside by myself shooting basketball. Um, and, and and then the next thing, the door opens and my father-in-law comes out. And, he, <laughs> and he's, like, he's like, boy, you have created a mess in there because now my brother-in-law and my sister-in-law are fighting over <laughs> my five-year-old who is crying right because i double or nothing made the long basket shot from him and he's like if you needed my father-in-law i thought loved it he thought it was really funny he's the guy who gets to see the awkwardness developing that he has nothing to do with somebody called in and said they like to see awkward family fights like he hasn't called it at all he just gets to watch the show and he comes out and he's like you know if you needed to borrow 20 bucks you could have just asked me to borrow 20 bucks so he he's living it up he laughs he goes back inside Next thing, no door opens. My brother-in-law comes out, and I'm like, "Oh God, what am I have to? I mean, he's going to ask me to apologize to the kid. What's he going to say?" And he's going to be. He says, he walks out, and he's like, "My wife is such a bitch." <laughs> That's the first thing. First thing that he says is now he's mad at his wife over over this. Wait, now, he said that with a straight gonna, face to you? Oh yeah. Eventually, they're going to get divorced, um, and so like he's standing outside like smoking a cigarette, like just like, I, I don't know what I've done with my life. Like, how did I end up married to this woman? So it's like everybody is slowly coming. It's like a play, you know, like if you were doing a play, like everybody is slowly coming outside. Uh, and then, um, you know, he stands outside for a little while and then he turns around and goes back inside. And then he he's actually pretty funny about it because he's like, she came running over to me like, did you hear what Uncle Clay did to Chase? And he's like, no, no, what happened? He's like, well, he taught Chase all about gambling. Chase is five, and they were playing double or nothing basketball in the backyard, and he made a shot, and now Chase is going to know uh, gambling, and he's going to think of gambling, and he's going to think it's bad. And my brother, uh, brother-in-law deadpanned at that time. He said, well, may, or maybe he'll learn when to quit when he's ahead. Um, and so uh, so they they are continuing to fight it's a huge it's a huge mess so uh i go in you know and like he's curled up in his mom's lap and like there's everybody's la- you know crying and like there's all this chaos and so uh and so i just give the kid 20 bucks right i'm mean, like i you know like here's 20 dollars like just to be done with it 
um, and uh, and it still is a uh, it's still a sore subject, I think, with my wife. So I don't know what you're supposed to do. I mean, double or nothing means double or nothing. I don't care how old you are. You understand the concept. Odds were in his favor. <laughs> it's just that every now and then you got to go Steph Curry, <laughs> and uh, and I went Steph Curry. How old is Chase now? Chase is 20 now. Uh, it would be great to get Chase to call in to yeah. see if he remembers this. Chase, I mean, it's been, you know, he was probably five then. And did he uh, ever play married. basketball with you ever again? I don't remember playing basketball with him again after that. But he is not like, he's not like an athlete, right? It's not like he plays no, you know, so sports you all the time. You scarred him for life is what maybe, you're saying. Maybe ruined his interest in basketball <laughs> for the rest of life by going double or nothing with him when he was five. He might have been six. I think he's 20 now, 19 or 20 now. So, I mean, he's an adult. Um, and, uh, and, you know, anyway, that was an awkward family encounter for Thanksgiving. And I hadn't been married to my wife for very long at that time, just a couple of years. So it wasn't as if it were something that I was doing at my family's Thanksgiving or something associated with that. So, uh, I think my wife's still mad about it. Honestly, I, I, I don't think there's any doubt, but I do think that you have to, to have to, you know, double or nothing. You got to set by the rules. Now, I did give him twenty bucks just to try to alleviate the concern because at that point in time, you just got to pay whatever you got to pay to try to alleviate uh, all the drama. Yeah, we know um, one husband who's not getting uh, holiday sex, as the one caller brought up. She was so mad at me for doing that, but I'm like, you know, I was trying to give the kid twenty bucks. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick the coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at six a.m. Eastern, three a.m. Pacific. Many of you are in your car right now, maybe starting early morning out across the country for drives to get ready to go join your families. It is Thanksgiving season. And I saw a headline that this may be the most uh, traffic-laden day of the year. There's a picture last night I saw of the L.A. freeways. seems like every year at Thanksgiving we see this. And I'm already nervous. I'm flying out tonight to go down to the Gulf Coast uh, of Florida where the uh, the hurricane hit not too long ago. And uh, I'll be doing a book signing down there. We're going to give all the proceeds from the book signing to Hurricane Relief, and I'll cut a check for that as well. Uh, if any of you are going to be down on the Gulf Coast in that area, maybe you're in town to see Florida State, Florida, it's not very far away. I'll be doing a book signing on Friday from 12 to 2 at the Tattered Cover in Rosemary Beach, Florida. If you're familiar with the 30A area uh, from 12 to 2, I will be there. But many of you are traveling all over the country to be with your loved ones, to be with your families back home, to or having hosting people from all over the country in your homes. It is a stressful, hectic time of the year. But it's also a fun time of the year, which is why we are going to do our Thanksgiving draft. Now, if you're a regular uh, listener to the show, you know we like to, around the holiday season, we did a Halloween draft. And it is wildly popular. We try to do it almost every year. Draft the best things about Halloween. Open it up to callers. You never know what a caller is going to take. You never have any idea what our crew is going to take. And now we're going to do the same thing for Thanksgiving. So you can listen to us to get an idea of how this is going to go. The phone number, Dub can grab you and put you in line and queue you up so that you can get involved in as well. 877-996-6369 is our phone number. That's 877-996-6369. Uh, I am going to go first on the Thanksgiving draft. Now, let me give you a couple of the rules about the Thanksgiving draft. We want you to break down whatever choice you are making as if it were the NFL draft, right? You come on, you find value, you explain why you think this is an important selection, why it is integral to the overall draft process, couple of rules. One, you don't want to go extremely broad. For instance, you don't come on and say, well, I'm going to draft food for Thanksgiving. Well, yeah, we get it. Thanksgiving, obviously, a big part of Thanksgiving is food. We don't allow someone to just draft food. You would give me a specific dish for Thanksgiving as a part of your Thanksgiving draft, just like you wouldn't go up to the NFL draft and be like, I'm going to take football players. Yeah, we know. They're kind of important in the NFL draft. Food dishes is what you would take, akin to what you would do when you go and draft, all right? So I am going to start off with the number one pick. It's my show. I get to go first. That's the rules. My number one pick, that's that's really the only rule. You can't go so broad in the world of food. My number one pick for the best thing about Thanksgiving, in my opinion, I think it's all day NFL. 
I think the best thing about Thanksgiving is that you have games starting at 12.30 Eastern, the Cowboys and the Lions, that you know are going to play every single Thanksgiving. And even if you're a Detroit Lions fan and your team stinks, that's the one yearly tradition that you have. My wife is from the Detroit area. We know, boom, the Lions are going to be on. And even if they stink, and the Lions do often stink, you have that to hang your hat on if you are a Detroit Lion fan. Similarly, if you are a Dallas Cowboy fan, mom, American pie, Dallas Cowboys, it's impossible to get much more American than that. You have the ability to kick back and watch the game. Now this year, the Dallas Cowboy fan base is going to be over the moon if they can beat Colt McCoy and the Washington Redskins because they'll be in first place in the NFC East. Two weeks after we said, oh, the Cowboys have got no chance, they lost to the Titans, their season is over, they were sitting at, uh, what, 3-5 and five at that point in time, then they go on the road and they beat the Philadelphia Eagles, then they go on the road and they beat the Atlanta Falcons, and now Cowboy fans are back convinced that Dak Prescott's the greatest quarterback of all time and that they're going to roll on to the Super Bowl after they win the NFC East. So the Dallas Cowboys, the Detroit Lions, I think it's a strong number one draft pick for Thanksgiving. My number one pick, the NFL on Thanksgiving, the best thing about Thanksgiving. Danny G, you get to go second. What you got? All right, that was a good number one because that was the first thing that was on my mind as well. So I'll go with my second favorite thing. And this is going to apply to a lot of us dealing with family on this holiday alcohol (laughs) okay strong number two (laughs) thank you hear me out on this one i'm not a huge drinker but this is the one holiday where alcohol comes in handy because you have lots of family there around the table on the couches in chairs folding chairs a kid's area an adult area and in the adult area if there's mixed drinks if there's a lot of beer if there's a lot of alcohol to consume it makes the family relations go that much smoother because not everyone in our family gets along and the alcohol smooths out the rough edges that is a hundred percent now you got to balance it out because you can go from oh things are a lot better to oh i'm an angry drunk true true you need somebody there that is paying attention to how many drinks uncle luke has had since he walked in and started watching the early game Uh, And if you do that and you cut people off as if you're the bartender of the house, then hopefully it won't go to where you're talking about. Well, that's also a good point, too, on the crowd, because I feel like there's a good number. Like, you don't want to have Thanksgiving with three people. Like, right, that kind of feels like, well, why did we even get together, right? Like, oh, it's me and two other people. But you also, I don't think, want to have Thanksgiving with, like, 64 people, right? Like, there's a fine number there. Yeah where the number is ideal, I would say it's a, it's a good question, like in general. I think it depends. There are a couple of factors. It depends on the size of the house. I think it can depend on the weather. I think that in general, right around 14-ish is probably an ideal Thanksgiving gathering because it's enough where you're like, okay, this is a, this is a big deal and we are all together for Thanksgiving, but it's not enough where, not so many, where you feel like you're totally overwhelmed, right? Like, we're not going to have that big of a Thanksgiving this year at my house. We're going to have seven people, right? I've got a family of five, and then we got my wife's uh, parents. So that'll be there'll be seven of us overall there. That's a fine number. I think you can go up to about 14 or 15, and everything goes smooth. After about 14 or 15, most people's houses just can't handle more than 14 or 15 people. Now, if you got some mansion or you got some serving staff or if you go out to dinner, and that's that maybe is something that could be on somebody's list is not even staying at your own house and just going out for Thanksgiving dinner, I think that's an incredibly underrated move. You don't have to clean up. You don't have to cook, all those things. But I think alcohol, very strong pick for number two overall. Who is going number three here? It is Eddie Garcia. Eddie Garcia. Update man, Eddie Garcia. Steps to the mic here. He has got the number three overall pick in the OutKick Thanksgiving draft. Number one, NFL games. Number two, alcohol. Eddie Garcia, what do you take number three overall? Well, uh, I actually really get along with with my uh, extended family. Now, I I came from uh, my parents' 
it was just basically us. I was an only child. We, you know, he had an uncle here and there, but it was just basically us for all the holidays. I married into a very large family with the Croatians. With, yeah, with the cousins and like it's like forty people Racist. for all these holidays, and it was really uh, a different experience for me to have. I mean, sometimes when they had there were little kids a few years ago, and then sometimes they get crazy, and uh, you'd have to go to Danny's alcohol. But uh, yeah, for the most part, I I really enjoy how different it is now than it was when I grew up, and having this this house just full of uh, noise and but not, not in a bad way just activity and really catching up with all these people and i get along with them really well so i i really have to say i guess family is uh would be familiar. i don't is this uh, i i'm gonna allow it it's such a broad and sappy draft pick eddie garcia overreached here it's going kinda, family it, eddie, eddie's kind of funny because uh my, my brother-in-law was the only child as well and he he grew up like hardly with that much well not that much family either and now he He's got when they get together for the holidays. He's like, "Oh my god, how much family do you guys have?" And it's yeah, I it's will pretty, say this. Pretty hilarious. I've got three kids. They are ten, eight, and four. I love them. I think other people's kids are awful. Does that make sense? Like, I am used to my kids, and so I can handle them getting into fights and everything else. So what other you're saying is you kids, really don't like kids? Yeah. No, I like I like kids. No, it doesn't sound doses. like you do. Yeah, it doesn't sound like it, Clay. <laughs> but other people's kids drive me insane like if you're in a for instance if you and maybe this is maybe this is just me but I feel like a lot of parents also feel this way if you are throwing a party like a Christmas like not a Christmas party like a birthday party and there are 25 kids there I am like this is not ideal for me like I could never I would never want to be a teacher of young I'm talking about young kids like if when, when the kids get to be like 12 or 13 like they're able you can have an actual conversation with them and they're not all insane when they get together but like young kids all in big groups they they definitely make me like just be like I you know I just want my kids around I don't want other people's kids around in massive numbers now a friend over to play that's different that's fine but when you start getting into big numbers and I feel like that can factor in on the alcohol front it is by far to me the screaming and the yelling and the fighting and everything else that goes on with family gatherings, that's when I think the alcohol is most necessary. Your Thanksgiving is like a club. You have an age limit. You check IDs at the door. That's not a bad idea. <laughs> that's not a bad idea at all. I would be perfectly fine uh, with any – like, I love my kids, but when everybody else's kids start getting dragged into the equation too, I don't love those kids. Uh, I mean, they're okay, but they're not mine, so they drive me insane. Uh, so Eddie Garcia goes with the sappy family – uh, Roberto, what have you got? I got to go with the turkey, Clay. I, I got that's, that's a solid value pick. I mean, the reason Thanksgiving exists is for the turkey. You're a big turkey guy. Yeah, well, yeah. I'm, I feel like you could have got the turkey in the second round, though, Roberto. No, you, no, no. Let me tell you, because uh, there was, I, it was a while there where I think my 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 brother and my sister wouldn't touch the turkey. So my mom's like, "That's it. I'm not making turkey anymore." Just like maybe like. <laughs> This is probably like 10 years ago. Mom, like, per, by the way, mom pronouncements could definitely be a draft pick where mom's just like, we're never, you know, like mom always <laughs> yeah, feels like the need yeah. to make She's some like, I'm not going to make any statement. more turkey. I'm yeah. like, mom, you can't, you got to make turkey. It's Thanksgiving. It's not, it's not, it's not Thanksgiving number, without number turkey. Number one mom guilt trip move is if you guys aren't going to do X, then I'm not going to do Y. <laughs> That's yeah, like exactly. a standard yeah. mom line. Even if you're not planning to ever use that line, mom's everywhere. That's the number one go-to mom line when mom becomes frustrated. If you guys aren't going to do X, then I'm not going to do Y anymore. And everybody's like, no, mom, you have to do Y. Oh, no. Okay. So m- your mom plays the, if you guys aren't going to eat turkey, I'm not going to make turkey anymore. Yeah, but ever since I said that, she's, she uh, has gotten better every year with the turkey, and uh, and uh, she makes it every year. Now, what cut of the turkey? It's got to be the thigh. Okay, thigh, so. and I have to have lots of stuffing on it. I love stuffing. Stuffing's a solid. So stuffing is a great example of something I don't think that the average and the, person and the stuffing's got to be uh, cooked in inside uh, with the yeah, see, with the some, turkey because stuffing is, could be controversial because some people make it well and other people Clay you've probably had it where it's too salty too dry and other people are just masters at the stuffing so I say a lot of it has to do with who prepared it yeah I'm not a stuffing guy I'm a big cranberry guy like nobody ever Ooh, eats cranberries good. except it seems to me. At Thanksgiving, and then every time I just like any type of cranberry, it can be like the specially made, even the canned cranberry, which I think is just like a, a delicacy, man. That that cranberry gets popped open. 
I can just eat gobs of it, right? And, I, and, and I'm like, why does, why does it only come out, it seems to me, at Thanksgiving? All right, uh, Dub, what have you got for us? I got the Wednesday night before Thanksgiving. Now the whole gang is back together. You go home, see all your old friends. You go out, and tonight I will. I will. I am admitting I will be absolutely wasted tonight. A lot of good where are you going to go my, out? <laughs> uh, well, I'm from San Antonio. We're going to be going down to the Broadway Fifty Fifty. That's our. Uh, that's our spot. So you are traveling to San Antonio today, and you will be out down in San Antonio. So here's the thing. My wife is big on like the hey everybody goes out on the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. I don't think that's as big in every part of the country because everybody's like, oh, it's the biggest bar night of the year. Everybody's out. I grew up in Nashville, and maybe it's because the family thing is such a big deal. Nobody really goes out on the Wednesday night before Thanksgiving here. It's not as much of a tradition as it is in other parts of the country, and I don't know whether that's partly geographical uh, because in the Midwest, where my wife's from, it's true. You go out and the bars are packed the Wednesday night before Thanksgiving because everybody's back home and everybody wants to be able to go out and meet up and everything else. But I don't get the sense that it's as big in the South. I haven't been uh, as much out in the West Coast for Thanksgiving, things like that. But this is big, you're saying, in San Antonio. Like, it's a great bar night. Oh, yeah. Best of the year, by far. Best of the year, by far. It's, it's not that way in Nashville. And I even went out, like, before we had kids. My wife was like, oh, it's going to be huge. Let's make sure we go out. We went out all over Nashville. Nobody's out. Been out with my buddy. I was like, we got to turn this into a big night. I want to go out. Nobody's out. Like, and nobody is out at all in Nashville. Maybe this is partly cultural. Maybe it's partly geographical. I just don't see it as being a big-time bar night. Um, but maybe you guys do. All right, we are going to load up the phone lines, uh, 877-996-6369. You have heard our draft picks. Now it's time for your draft picks. Paul Paps from the Dan Patrick Show is uh, on hold. Paul, would you like – Paulie, would you like to take a draft pick? I would. I'm not officially a member of the draft. I want to do a little quick analysis. Danny G taking alcohol number two is by far the steal of the draft. Yes. It sets up the entire day. Family going third, I think you could have got family easily in the round three. Most people try to avoid family and yes. don't embrace family. Um, one thing, who's your guy who took turkey late in the first round? Uh, we got Roberto coming yeah. in with turkey. Okay, do you see how Roberto tried to sneak stuffing into his turkey? Yeah, pick? that's Those a good are point. separate. Those are completely yeah. separate, and don't let them get away with it. Here's my draft pick. If I was going to draft, sleep. Here's the thing about Thanksgiving. You don't have to wake up that early, especially if you're not doing the work to prepare it. You can A nap during the middle of the day is almost assumed on Thanksgiving. There's no guilt for taking a nap. And if you pass out in some type of chair or just retire early at like 9.15 on Thanksgiving night, Nobody has a problem with it because everyone's just uh, all messed up because all the food they eat. Sleep is very underrated for Thanksgiving. Sleep is very underrated. Now, are you trying to sneak in nap alongside of sleep, it, much like you criticize Roberto there for trying to sneak in the stuffing with the turkey, uh, or should nap be separate from sleep? It, to me, it's like taking Lamar Jackson. You're getting a run and pass quarterback. I'm, I'm trying to get everything <laughs> with my draft pick. I think if I take sleep, I don't even think sleep was on the board with anybody. I'm not even sure. You've got multiple young kids, I think. I saw your picture from the Dan Patrick catalog that you tweeted Mm -hmm. out. Are you like me that you love your kids, but like you're not really a fan of multiple little kids, like all together that aren't yours? Clay, I embrace all my friends and family's children, and I don't mind at all when they tear up my house and bang into my new 65 inch TV and ruin the new things that I purchased in my house. I'm totally fine with that. I, t- I will forgive my own kids for all of their flaws because they're mine. Everybody else's kids, I'm like, these kids are driving me insane. I mean, well, I, I don't know if it's just that you're totally used to your own kids, and so you've just gotten, you know, like every now and then when you're a married guy and you have friends over who haven't had kids yet, if any of you have had this experience, right. they have no idea what the chaos is like. And then there's just like, I imagine it's like being a World War II pilot, like when you're <laughs> flying over Germany and there's just shrapnel everywhere. And if you haven't been in an airplane getting shot at before, you're like, oh my God, what's going on here? But if you're the pilot, you're like, yeah, this is what happens when you fall, you know, pilot a plane. When you're a parent and there's chaos running around your house, like you don't even notice, like it's just dull noise. And so that's kind of the way I feel, but I can't handle any many more kids, you know, that are not my, uh, my, my responsibility. Absolutely. One more, before I go, one more draft prospect I want to throw on the board for later round. Family arguments and incidents. As long as you're not part of them, when like a brother-in-law or a, a family member gets in an argument, usually fueled by the number two pick alcohol, it's pretty fun from afar because you know at the end of the day, everyone's going to go their separate ways. 
Well, that's also great because then you're like, hey, it's, I'm not making that be perfect at Thanksgiving, but at least I'm not the person who got in the yelling match. So there's a yeah. little bit of like enjoyment of somebody else's social awkwardness because you're like, oh, that's not me. And also because then you have something to talk about. You could be I'll like, I've got a great, too. I can't wait. I've got a great awkward family Thanksgiving story that I will share uh, on the show when we return. Something that I did that provoked a big fight early in my marriage uh, with uh, with a Thanksgiving nice. uh, relation. So I will share that. I don't know if I've told this story on the air uh, yet. So I'll share that. Uh, we are opening up uh, your draft picks now. 877-996-6369. Uh, Dub is going to field all of your draft picks. You just heard ours. This is the Thanksgiving draft on OutKick. We are taking calls on our Thanksgiving draft. I drafted uh, NFL football on Thursday. Danny G took alcohol. Roberto took turkey. That's a little bit out of order. Eddie Garcia took family, and Doug took going out to the bar the night before Thanksgiving. It's going to start taking your calls, 877-996-6369. Let's go to Scott in Pennsylvania to start us off. What you got for us, Scott? Hey, how you guys doing? Um, listen, I'm going a little bit locally. Uh, I'm going to say rivalry games for towns. I live in, a, I live in Easton, Pennsylvania, and there's a big – Easton Peaberg cross the river, New Jersey, Pennsylvania rivalry. Whole town gets into it. Drinking Wednesday night, drinking Thursday morning. Um, it's just great to see the two count two towns come together with a great rivalry. So what happens so, uh, on the rivalry though? Notice. Like, what do you guys do? What do you mean? What do we do? Like, I mean, I don't game. know. Like, have you ever you... heard of Lafayette College? I've heard. I, I, I mean, have... like, what's the rivalry? Like, what what actually takes place? It's one of the oldest rivalries in high school football. It's been okay, broadcast it's a high school, on ESPN it's, nationally. Okay, that's fine. So it's a high school football game that takes place every Thanksgiving weekend. Yeah, and uh, okay. it's been on ESPN. The Manning brothers have been there. They have to play it at a college stadium. I know there's a lot of them out there, but I think if you uh, look at this one, it's one of the oldest in the country. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. Thanks for the call. When he was saying, like, it's a rivalry, and he was like, we go out, like, I was like, okay, well, what's the rivalry? Like, you got to hit me with the football game. We got a football game that gets played. Was I the only one confused there? Like, well, we go out and drink in the bar on one side of the river, and then they go drink on the bar on the other side of the river. Like, what are you doing? You throwing grenades back and forth across the river here? Like, <laughs> you thought it was well, two dueling families? Lead, well, I don't know. Yeah. I didn't like, then we have a big, like, uh, we have a big, like, competing, like, <laughs> Thanksgiving. Okay. Most high school football that I know of is in the playoffs by now. Right, like in most parts of the country, you're pretty far advanced into the high school playoff picture by now. So the number of games that are scheduled are relatively low. And I'm not an expert on high school football everywhere, but it seems to me that almost every state they're already far into the high school football playoffs. I know when I was just out in LA, that's big news story out there. Right, is the uh, the the high school football playoffs that are going on out there. I live in Nashville, state of Tennessee. Obviously, high school football is big here. Georgia, Florida, where I've been traveling around, all those places having high school football. So Scott got me confused there. Yeah, no, Could no, be you, you, weren't, you weren't the only one. I, I was thinking West Side Story, too. Yeah, so, I was like, man, are they going to have a dance-off? Like, is this <laughs> like, what is the rivalry uh, that goes on here? We've said this before, so when you call Dub, make sure, and if he gets you on the air, have your thoughts in your mind ahead of time and just come with it really clear and concise. That way... We're easily confused over here. Yeah, it's like when you make a draft pick in the NFL, they don't get up and they're like, well, you know, there's a really good rivalry that goes on between Michigan and Ohio State. And eight years ago, like the Manning brothers came, and maybe you've heard of it, they put it on television. I'm like, okay, what are you getting to here? Oh, you're taking a player from Michigan. All right, well, thanks. You know, like get to the, like gusto here. Let's get to the point. Uh, Chase in Texas. What's up, Chase? Yeah, I have to go with uh, front yard, backyard football. Uh, Doug yeah. originally took my uh, pick of Wednesday night party, and I remember coming back home from college back in the day. Now it's always a big deal. But, yeah, playing football in the front yard, doesn't matter, young, old. Uh, somebody's always getting hurt and having a good time. Where are you from in Texas? I'm from uh, Houston. Okay. So, Houston, you're telling me the Wednesday before Thanksgiving, big bar night in the city of Houston. Uh, definitely. And even like, even in the college towns, like the people that would say, and I was a small college town, but even people that would stay there, like they would come back in from, you know, maybe growing up there and they would go out as well. Like everywhere I know, 
I always talk about, you know, in Texas, it's the biggest bar night in the, uh, of the year. Yeah, I don't get it. I don't know why. Maybe I'm just I, – I've been out all over – because my wife told me this, and I was like, I've never really heard this. Went out all over Nashville. People don't do it. Not a big deal here. Everywhere else, go to Michigan. When it, My wife's from outside of Detroit. Go out in every bar. It's almost impossible to get in. And now Chase down in Texas calling. But that's a solid draft pick. I expected for somebody to take it before, before long to take backyard football family football, all of the fun associated with that. Let's go to Jim in Pennsylvania. Jim, what you got? We lost Jim. Let's go to Randy in Palo Alto. Randy in Palo Alto. What's up, my man? Hey, not much. Hey, if this was five years ago, I'd say the Turkey Bowl. Uh, it's when all the homies get a Facebook invite and everybody coming back from college will go meet up at the high school where we graduated from and play football for like three hours in the morning and kill each other before we go eat like crazy, but now I'm all about eating like crazy. I got to go with the devil eggs. Wow, that, that is that is a strong range from Randy <laughs> in Palo Alto from showing up with his boys to play football to going specifically deviled eggs. Now I don't know about you guys. Wow, deviled eggs as like the number eight overall pick is. I'm trying to think. Of I, I think the, deviled eggs could have been Mister Irrelevant. Deviled eggs. I'm not even sure. I think you could sign deviled eggs as an undrafted free agent. This is like this is like going out and taking a guy who otherwise is going to be drafted by nobody else anywhere. My man, you may love deviled eggs. You just stock the deviled eggs in the back pocket and you think, hey, I'm going to get this guy later. The deviled eggs going, I think it's the number two food now in the food draft. Like we had turkey and then we go to devil, how, the deviled eggs. How could deviled eggs dunk on mashed potatoes and gravy? Oh, I mean – I, again, I'm not even sure deviled eggs going to be drafted. I don't even think that many people really like deviled eggs. You know, it's weird. That's another thing. I think just like stuffing, it depends who makes it. My grandmother, she would bring these deviled eggs to get-togethers, and they were amazing. People fought over them. But then other people would make them, and they were bland, and they stunk, and you're like, get this away from the table. So, yeah, that's an interesting pick because that could be way off the board. Very aggressive. We'll just say very aggressive to go deviled eggs as the number two overall food in the in the Thanksgiving draft. Let's go to uh, let's see, Jamie and Syracuse. What's up, Jamie? Hey Clay, how's it going? Happy Thanksgiving. Appreciate that. Uh, for my draft, I am going offensive line and drafting gravy because, like a good offensive line in football, gravy can cover up a lot of deficiencies on your plate. Very well said, succinct. He bailed out there right at the end. He had everything ready to go. Gravy can make a lot better, right? It's a great analogy on the offensive line. I think gravy can also be like the the, the wide receiver who, like Randy Moss. Randy Moss makes the offense look a lot better, right? You throw it up. He takes the top off the defense. Everything else doesn't matter. Hey, we ran the ball, you know, 40 times for – 48 yards yeah but you hit Randy Moss for two 80 yard touchdowns suddenly the offensive stats look a lot better on a per play average gravy can come in and clean up a lot of problems it's like a great rush defensive end man we can't stop the run but every time they draw back to pass we got a guy who just wipes out the quarterback gravy very solid draft pick there uh let's go to Jack and Winston-Salem what's up Jack good morning I uh I really don't understand football, but I listen to you every day. But talking about what you're talking about today for Thanksgiving, draft would be the ability to be thankful. All right, that's an excellent answer. Is your name Jack? It's Jackie. Yeah, all right, thank you. Jackie, thank you for listening uh, in Winston-Salem. <laughs> Dub, you hear Uh-oh. a woman call in. And you think to yourself, this is Jack. There's a big difference between Jack and Jackie. Sorry for what's coming, Dub. Defend yourself, Dub. I was on the phone earlier with, with Jackie from Winston-Salem, as we know. And, and I and I doubled back to her. I said, did you say Jack? Because I noticed it was a woman. So I think the connection was just a little off there. And, uh, you know, it's Thanksgiving. I mean, uh, it, yeah, it's, it's not a big deal. You hear a woman's voice, and you put me on, uh, like, that's like leading me over the middle to get wiped out. I say Jack and Winston-Salem, and then a clear woman comes on, and you have written to me that that's Jack and Winston-Salem. Uh, that is a fail from Dub. All right, we're going to continue to take your draft pick calls, 877-996-6369. We'll close out the hour with them, load them up. If you're a woman and your name is Jackie, 
make sure that Dub understands that your name is not actually Jack. That would be a huge upset if there was a woman in Winston-Salem calling in and her name was Jack. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. We're joined now by Aaron Andrews at Aaron Andrews on Twitter. The reason, actually, at a very high level, uh, or at least substantial part, of how I ended up at Fox Sports to begin with, because Aaron brought me in <laughs> to be on her college football show. Do you regret that decision this in went any way? so well. <laughs> <laughs> yes. No, no. You. I was trying to just think as you were doing that intro, um, where, did, where was it that we first met? I remember the setting. I remember it was an ESPN thing. Where did we first meet? Was it a national championship? Yes, but I don't remember what which national championship game it was. I know, you guys were me pre- neither. I don't. You guys were preparing to do the game, and uh, and they had for people who don't know the the crew that's doing the game. They'll have a media event where everybody can come around and talk about the upcoming game. And uh, and I don't remember which game it was, but I obviously it was an ESPN national championship game, and that's where we met for uh, for the first Alabama, time. Alabama LSU. I think that might be I right. I was, was I was going to say it was. Down in New Orleans was where I was thinking it was, but I wasn't a hundred percent sure. Yeah. Um, but I think uh, and I we think were that it was. Talking about our love for Nick Saban. Oh, Nick Saban, I think is. See, I you're similar in some ways to me because you deal with a lot of people who behave in an artificial fashion. I think anybody who works in the media does, <laughs> and so I can respect somebody who just is trying to be as honest to himself as he is. And Saban, to me, doesn't put on airs, right? Like, he is pretty much the no. guy that shows up and doesn't enjoy talking to the media. And, and, and I, don't, I don't begrudge that at all. What I don't like is when people put no. on a – you know, they're totally different in one, per, one persona or another. And Saban just lets it all out there. Clay, I'm telling you, and I, I think this is when you and I first fell in love when, when we started talking about our love for Saban, was yes. – um, I used to be so afraid of, of coach when I interviewed him and then, cause he's, he's intimidating. It's, you know, but then I sat down in an interview one day and I saw how he was kicking everybody's butts up and down college football. And he's just a man. And I literally said to him, coach, when I have my firstborn, it is going to be like the lion King circle of life. <laughs> I'm taking my baby and I'm putting my baby in your hands. And I know he's going to win a national championship. I know he's probably going to win a Heisman if he's with you. And he'll go to the league. And he won't get in trouble in school. So that's what's going to happen. And he smiled and he laughed. Plus, I love Miss Terry, his wife, so much. But um, I've also basically decided when I do have my firstborn, I think my firstborn is going to be named Saban. I'm <laughs> not be, kidding. Legitimately, not you kidding. would, would you go boy, boy or girl? Yes, because I think it's unisex. I mean, I thought about saving it for my second golden retriever, but I was just like, no. I mean, the guy, once last year happened with the national championship and you make the quarterback change and the kid's a freshman and you end up coming back and you win. I'm like, that's it. Done deal. Boy, girl, it's Saban. I don't care. I'm a Florida Gator. It's going to happen. My husband's Canadian. He has no clue in heck about college football whatsoever. But, yeah, our firstborn is going to be after Nick Saban. (laughs) Now, the positive for you is you married a Canadian, so you don't have to worry about mixing allegiances when it comes to fan bases. See, I married a a University of Michigan grad who's actually, of all things, the worst thing you can be, a Big Ten fan. And so I'm a little bit But she's nervous. a good girl. I love she her. Is, she is fantastic. But I'm a little bit nervous about how exactly much you push because my middle kid is a huge Bama fan now. And it, you know me. I'm a Tennessee guy, so it's really difficult in my house to be dealing with a kid running around in Alabama jerseys all the time. But he just loves Nick Saban. And you'll love this EA story. Yeah. We were playing uh, Little League. I'm coaching him in Little League. He's seven now at the time and uh, we were going out in this this first game and I said hey this is a big deal for you this year they have a scoreboard and they keep score because the first two years they played the t-ball they didn't keep score at all and he said dad Nick Saban says to never look at the scoreboard that's how much he's already bought in he watches all these YouTube videos of Nick Saban and he's like the process but dad in the process you don't worry about the score you just worry about doing your best and I'm like my seven-year-old is already brainwashed by Saban he's out (laughs) he's out coaching me already you gotta have him start having those little Debbie oatmeal cakes. That's what oh, Coach yeah. likes as a snack every single day. The same lunch, the same breakfast. We're on the regimen. I, I love it. Love it. How much? 
how much do you miss being on college football campuses? You obviously have an incredible gig with uh, with Troy Aikman and Joe Buck and the games that you guys get to do now. But does a part of you miss being on a college campus for a game day? I mean, you know, there are certain things I miss. I We were in town covering the New Orleans Saints the weekend that LSU was playing Alabama, that they were hosting Alabama. And um, I, I think if Baton Rouge had been a little closer, I probably would have traveled over there and gone to Tiger Stadium because it's one of yes. the greatest ever. And uh, especially a night game, it's just it doesn't get any better than that. So I kind of miss, you know, how nuts people get. I miss the games on CBS, you know, the 330 kick and just – just everything behind that. I've been texting Brad Nessler a lot during his FCC games and everything. Um, and I miss it. I, it's cool for me now, though, because a lot of those guys, well, I guess it's not because that means I'm 100 years old. A lot of those guys <laughs> that I covered are in the NFL. I mean, Russell Wilson's first Thursday night football game, um, you know, with us, NC State, he gets put in the back of an ambulance because he got hit so hard in the head. That was, you know, I covered that game. I covered Andrew Luck at Stanford. I covered all these guys. I was talking to Alshon Jeffrey the other day during our Eagles game. I was like, yeah, how'd, those, how'd South Carolina look against the Gators? And, you know, Ingram and, and seeing Mark Ingram. And I, you know, voted for him for the Heisman. And just just so cool to just know the history that I've had with college football and then be able to work with these guys in the NFL. But it's cool. I mean, I, I, I do miss certain things about it. It's kind of nice not being stuck in those small towns anymore and you can't really go out anywhere in the big towns. Like before a game, you can actually find a dinner spot where people don't want to, you know, talk everything about college football. But um, there are certain things I miss a lot. And I think every Saturday morning, no matter where I am, I always have to have game day on just because I miss the guys so much. You, we're talking to Erin Andrews. You can follow her on Twitter at Erin Andrews. We used to talk about how we thought of social media. I, I'm curious. Do you spend much? Yeah. I have found myself spending less time by far in my mentions because we're doing the new television show on FS1 and the three kids yeah. and, and the radio show and everything else. There's just so many moving parts that I'm like, I don't know that it necessarily is very productive to, to slide in and even read what people are saying. Do you do that very much or have you kind of dialed out? When you finish a game, do you go check your mentions or not? I won't check my mentions anymore because it just puts me in such a bad mood. Listen, everybody's going to mess up once or twice on air. Do I want to do that? No. Um, Do I hope I screw up? No. But you know everybody's going to have a comment. Um, What you don't see, which you and I love and we always joke about, is where these people are living. And most of them are living with their moms in their basements. And I'm trying to remind myself of that. But, yeah, I kind of just try to stay away on game days and after games. It's hard. We all say we do. Um, and a lot of us don't, but I, I try very, very hard. You are, are really incredibly talented at TV, and one of the great things about TV and also one of the awful things about TV is when you're good at it, you make everybody else think it's easy to do. Um, when did you sort of develop your style on television? And I always say a big part of television is just being comfortable in your own skin, which is difficult to do when you know there are millions or hundreds of millions sometimes in the Super Bowl, for instance, watching how did you get comfortable? Because that's the question people ask a lot. Like, if they don't really understand the pursuit, how did you practice? How did you get to where you are? Well, there's definitely things I'm I'm more comfortable with than others. I mean, hosting, I think, and I wish I could be better. And I look at somebody like Carissa Thompson, and I wish I could be like her. Cause I just she is phenomenally. She, so she is so, so good at what she does, so too. so good. And she has those one-liners, and it, that's like us on the, on the phone together. She and I are our text message chains. I mean, that's just we just go back and forth, and we feed off of each other, and she makes it seem so seamless, and I wish I was like that. I feel like, though, what I can do well is sit down with guys, kind of, you know, disarm them, if you will, um, ask about their families, get them to talk about sensitive subjects, and not make it seem like, so third and four, what was really going through your mind? There's more to these guys than that, and I, I feel like I'm able to do that with them. Um, I don't know. I feel like maybe I, uh, during college game day when I got to do some of these sit-down interviews and I got to you know meet guys and have fun with them on Saturday mornings, that really helped me um, just be, have this laid-back approach. I will tell you, though, I feel like my first couple years at Fox doing the NFL, I sucked. I mean, I do, and I'll openly say that. I would watch – I would watch – you know, film of myself, or I would watch old post-game clips of where I'm with Chip Kelly and I'm having fun with him and he's screaming at the fans to shut up. And I just came back with a thank you and, you know, had a good time (laughs) with him after that. 
I think my first couple years in the NFL, I was just so afraid of, you know, I wanted to show people that I belonged, even though I, I hadn't, you know, worked in the league at all. I, I wanted to show people that I belonged, you know, to work with Joe and Troy because they are who they are. My producer had worked with John Madden, and that's what a lot of our conversations on the road were all about. I know that I came in and I replaced Pam, and I would just watch myself in these post-game interviews. I'm like, God, I think what's wrong with me um I feel like it's really kind of been over the last two years that I've started to be myself even more in my you know in-game hits I just feel like the NFL is so buttoned up it's so serious and I was being so serious I remember I was at Lambeau a couple years ago and I was trying to spit out my first hit about Aaron Rodgers' cap and I we were doing a rehearsal and I just kept screwing it up and it was so bad. Joe Buck, my producer said in my ear, Joe's calling you. And I said, What? What are you talking about? I picked up my phone on the sideline and he said, Will you just stop? And I was like, What? And he said, Just stop. He goes, It's a freaking calf injury. It's not brain surgery. Just give the information and get off. I was like, All right. And I was you know, you just it's a roller coaster ride, and, and it's like you got to feel comfortable in yourself. You got to feel comfortable in what you're doing. It's taken me a while, and I feel like finally I'm back that way with the NFL. I uh, remember one particular story. For people who don't know, Foxhead would have, uh, and still does, a big event to get ready for the NFL season. And I think when FS1 was launching, they did it at Terranea, and they do it out in the LA area there. Um, the Terranea Resort's yeah. pretty phenomenal. But I remember noticing. For you, and this is true for, I think, you are on a different level of celebrity than almost anybody else in the world of sports. And what I mean by that is there are a lot of people who they'll see him and they'll be like, oh, that's Troy Aikman, like he played football or whatever. But Dancing with the Stars and everything else, you cross a lot of different boundaries, I would say. And everybody kind of, you kind of got, and I don't know if this is a good way of putting it, but like everywhere you go, somebody notices you, right? When did that start to happen for you, and how did it change the way you kind of carried yourself? Because I, I, I think that's an interesting uh, – there's like a good level of fame, like, oh, I can always get a restaurant uh, seat or whatever, and then there's the next <laughs> yeah. level of fame. You were talking about like on a college campus where you literally can't go anywhere without everybody recognizing and knowing who you are. Do you remember when that happened for you where it was like, oh, my God, like this is a different level? I just think it was honestly the company I would keep on the road. I mean, I we were coming to town, and, and college game day is, is just a popularity fest. And, you know, if we try to go to dinner the night before, I remember being on a text chain with Kirk and Chris Fowler and just saying, be in the lobby in five minutes, because when we're in the lobby, we're running out, because <laughs> you know you're just going to be stopped and asked about the quarterback and the defense and all that kind of stuff. But I think it was, you know, once I made the transition to Saturday night football and um, college game day. Also, when I started, I was different from a Jill Arrington or a Melissa Stark because there wasn't these, at the time, which is so silly to say, message boards. I mean, message boards were the thing. And the internet was the thing. And these blogs and, you know, I start getting photographed eating a, a Cuban sandwich at a University of Miami game on the sidelines and people, you know, putting gross things on it or, you know, symbols. And stuff. so that's when I was like, wow, stuff is different. And, and obviously I had everything that happened to me, um, you know, on the internet. So that also kind of made things go a little bit crazy. But I think it was the game day you know, route and it was the Saturday night football and it was these message boards and the blogs and, um, you know, just people kind of saying I was the sideline Barbie and stuff like that because there had been other sideline reporters. I mean, Melissa Stark is my Michael Jordan. She's my end-all be-all. I love her so much, and I think she just paved the way for so many women, um, you know, on the sidelines with Monday Night Football and everything she did, but she didn't have to deal with the Internet, so it was a lot different for me. I got to tell you, the first couple of times I saw you guys in these ads uh, for Tide, I thought it was real. I was like, and my my my, my seven year old was watching. Beautiful. Yeah, and he was like, "Dad, is this real?" And I was like, "No, no, 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 no. This is." But uh, it's obviously caught on and caught fire. What are you doing with them? Yeah, well, we uh, obviously aligned ourselves with Tide. All four of us did, and they put together a series of these videos that have aired, as you said, during our Thursday night football broadcast where they kind of tricked the viewers into thinking that they were, you know, being brought back into the booth or the field. And they're just trying to get fans to notice 
being clean, which I'm never mad about, which is hysterical for me because I'm like a hot mess on the sidelines. I've dumped like either my coffee or my lipstick or whatever on myself. So I'm pumped we aligned with them because I need to be clean. I need as much Tide products as possible because, like I said, I'm, I'm a disaster, especially when I travel. Last question for you. How funny is Joe Buck? What would surprise people about spending time with your crew? I have to be honest with you. That is one thing I do not understand and I get so frustrated with. Is, and I, I don't understand is it because his dad was huge in the industry. People have such the wrong opinion and the wrong vibe from him. Joe Buck is one of the most hilarious people I've ever met. I mean, I was just showing my assistant. He sent me, I'm lame. I don't have the new iPhone where you can do the voices and the funny things with the emojis. I was like peeing my pants watching it. it he's so funny. He's hysterical. He's witty. He's smart. He knows so much. Loves music. His family's great. I, I mean, the guy is such a good time. People don't get it when they, when they you know, say that they don't like him or don't like his style of broadcasting. He's one of the best. I know you're also, as we come into the holiday season, a huge fan of uh, Christmas Vacation. How many times do you think you've watched Christmas yes. Vacation? Oh, gosh, Audrey, I don't know. Um, more than probably I should. I know you got a billion things to take care of. Thanks for hanging out with us. Good luck for the rest of the season, and uh, good luck to the Gators this weekend against Florida State. Oh, boy. Yeah, I miss you. Gosh, we all have to get together. No, we definitely do, uh, for sure. But I appreciate you coming on, uh, and have a good uh, holiday season. Absolutely. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Top Thrill 2 is like no other course. Two 420-foot vertical speedways, three launches. All right, let's talk strategy. Copy that, driver. Go for maximum acceleration off the start. Measure that. You've got a short straightaway to push from 0 to 74 on the first vertical speedway. And what about the rollback? Rollback will set you up for an explosive reverse climb 420 feet in the sky so you reach 0 Gs in total weightlessness. 420 feet of straight-up speed. Let's get it. Top Thrill 2, the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch strata coaster. Get your tickets at cedarpoint.com.